Welcome to the Calm Down Yourself podcast. In the Calm Down Yourself podcast, we want to explore and share our daily routines, diets, exercises that we've experimented with over the years to remain calm, happy and healthy physically and mentally in our lives. John is my co-host and my brother. John is younger than me by one year and 355 days, but I've always looked up to him as he's two inches taller. Chris is my co-host and brother, and he moved to Australia around 20 years ago. We're doing this podcast from home. It's May 2020, and we're slowly coming out of the lockdown protocols that have been in place, both in the UK and in Australia, caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, But through the pandemic, we've both been able to get out and exercise now and again. So... The, ex, uh, the topic that we're going to discuss today, John, is exercise and everything in the outdoors. Excellent. It's a perfect start point for me and thee. Um, yeah, at, at the moment in the UK, um, they're slowly easing. Uh, I think at the moment, uh, just tomorrow, you can meet with six other people. We've been able to go out and exercise right throughout the restrictions. Um, it was a bit confusing, the guidance. Could you do it once or could you do it for an hour? Uh, you had to go from home and come back to home. You couldn't drive somewhere and do it. You certainly couldn't go like I like to, to the mountains and stuff. But now it's eased a little bit. But um, as you know, Chris, I've been working right throughout. So I've been out the house a lot anyway um, and just carried on running or cycling or taking the dogs out just as long as I was on my own, uh, which is generally how I do it anyway. Uh, But I think what we'll do is we'll go this week, we'll go through some of the history of what we exercise, why we exercise, um, where it kind of all started from. um, And then we can run through some of the hints, tips that that help us physically, mentally. Um, Between us, we've done a little bit of everything. From you running in school, uh, from me um, being really bad at football and then playing rugby, um, then in the forces, the forces, you know, the basic PT training, and then coming out and going into um, running triathlons, martial arts, uh, the MMA bits I did, um, the boxing bits I did, uh, the weightlifting, the, the up, get me weight up, get me weight down, and then you doing your marathon, uh, the Sydney marathon. So I think we should. Um, I think we should start with uh, really talking about um, what we want to do through the show and then uh, kick it into the first section. Okay, so we'll just go through the contents of today's show. So first, we're going to look at some different theories on um, how we can work on our fitness and go through some. Actually, first of all, um, we should say basically what what we're doing with the podcast is you know, we're not experts. We're just, you know, two blogs living living our lives, and you know, we're we're going to give our our hints and tips. So kind kind of like a coach. So we're only at a certain level that we've got to. So obviously, we're not going to be giving coaching tips to you know other elite athletes. It's it. We're basically directing this podcast at people who just want to learn enough information to get themselves you know, fitter, healthier, um, but still live a normal life, you know. Yeah, I think that's a good point because the amount of stuff we listen to and we've not walked barefoot to the North Pole, have we? Or 
we've not done Everest or, you know, we've been lucky that we haven't had major illness or trauma or anything like that. And you listen to those podcasts or I do now and again, or you watch those documentaries or you read those books and they are all amazing and they can inspire you to go, okay, get up and get out. But what you, what I think you generally need or me and you always say that we generally need is just the day-to-day advice of where do I go next? Uh, my weight is going up or my weight is going down or my times aren't great or I've got a niggle or, you know, you, you just that daily inspiration to go, ah, yeah, someone else is feeling that. Someone else has seen that. Um, we have read a lot, you and I, and we have we have tried lots of different things. I think that's a real good point. Um, we're not here to say um, we'll inspire you to do, you know, the, the Marathon de Saab or, or, you know, the, the Ultra Mont Blanc or go and fight in a cage or whatever it is we've done. Um <laughs> It's just going to be a case of, um, you know, it's it's day-to-day stuff, I think, that people would sooner be interested in hearing. Yeah, exactly. So so quick rundown of today's contents of today's show. Um, first, we're going to look at some different theories on how we can work on our fitness. When I say we, that's the role we, you, me, and the listener. Um, and we're going to go through some exercise methodologies and expert theories just to you know, explain some of the science behind it. Um, Then John uh, and I will share some of our exercise tips and how we've maintained a a level of fitness that that has kept us healthy all these long years. Um, We've got a couple of book recommendations and and other tips that we'll go through, and then we'll wrap up and we'll let you know what you can expect on our next show. But first, we're gonna leave the the confines of our cozy couches, um, and we're gonna go on a nice, healthy morning walk with John and his dogs. So this this clip is is my uh, is like my morning ritual, my general um, to do before uh, work. So I'm a bit of an early bird. Um, you know, a lion is 6.30. Uh, the alarm goes off at five. I'm normally awake anyway. Uh, and I've got two dogs. One that I've had for nine years is a little working Springer. So she's very active. And then we wanted to get her a large dog. Um, who I'll introduce in the clip. Um, and I think it's probably better if I just leave that for the start of the clip and you'll, you'll hear it. Uh, but really, it's something I try and do every single morning. And if I don't, and I do lie into 6, 6.30, the dogs bark anyway to get me up. Uh, it's beautiful at the moment in England, so it's been lovely and sunny, but, you know, you, you've got you, your own dogs. You have to do this, um, you know, whether it's rain, wind or shine. Let's listen to the on-location footage with John and his dogs. Good morning, it's uh, 5.30am and I'm just walking my dogs along uh, a path about two miles north of my home, um, a place called Sefton Village. Um, Sefton Village has really been here for centuries, it was, it was an old Norse settlement, uh, meaning uh, the village of reeds and rushes and there's a grip now, there's a, a grade one listed church here, St Helen's Church. And there's a lovely pub, the Punch Bowl, and there's a small medieval wall and, and St. Helen's Well, which apparently, if you drink the water, it can relieve rheumatism, bruises, bones, and ailments of the nerves. So maybe we could all do a bit of that at 5.30 a.m. I've just got the dogs with me. Uh, I've got two dogs. Uh, one's Jess, she's eight years old, she's a little working Springer, and we wanted to. Um, get her a friend and we decided to get a larger dog and kind of fell in with a Doberman pup which and that was her then 
Just on cue, barking at the cows. Dama. So, the Doberman's called Dama. That's it's a German word. Come on. Meaning lady. And uh, she does like to uh, tell everyone she's around, even though we've been walking for a little while. Come on, good girl, good girl. And what we're going to do is we're just going to walk through Sefton Village and take a right. And we're going to go into uh, Ruffley's Wood um, over a little brook. Come on, come on. Come on. Morning, Paul. Jess, this way. Dogs will give you unconditional love every day. Um, you put effort into them when they're young and you give them discipline. Discipline lets you give them the freedom to run around and you just enjoy your walk more. It's an excuse to get out. Um, I walk a lot of my own anyway. So to have a companion of one or two dogs, I think it's brilliant. But I'll have to go now because Dharma's meeting a new friend. Okay, so we're back. And now what we're going to do is take you through what we're calling just four basic types of exercise. So obviously you can slice and dice it any way you want, but we're just going to try and simplify things here. So we're going to go through in a bit more detail, aerobic, anaerobic, strength, strength training, and stretching or balance training. Um, all right, so I'll go first, John. And first of all, aerobic exercise. So what is it? It's it will basically speed your heart or, you know, it's an exercise that's going to just speed up your heart and breathing to a moderate intensity rate. So included in aerobic exercise will be brisk walking, swimming, jogging, cycling or hiking, anything else that you're going to move, move your body about. Even dancing is going to get your heart rate up. Um, most popular is probably just walking, which people obviously do to get around. But if, if you want to get fitter, then it's a good thing to start jogging or running. Um, now, there's one program that John introduced me to is by Phil Maffetone called the Math um, Maximum Aerobic Function. So, John, when you told me about that, it just changed my running completely. So I was able to start, instead of just going out and just running fast and then slow and then stopping, um, I started being a lot more targeted. So I used to go out and run to my... Um, the Phil Maffetone heart rate, and then I'd record it. And then over a period of time, I realized I was getting fitter and fitter. So just to explain that a, a little bit, it, the, your math heart rate is a, is a formula, which is 180 minus your age. So I'm 45, so 180 minus 45 means my math heart rate is 135, and that means I can go out and run as fast as I can, which isn't very fast but I can run as fast as I can without my heart rate going above 135. And if it does, then I, I need to slow down or stop until my heart rate goes below 135 and then I can start running again. So John, have you done that as well? Yeah, so it's weird that book that kind of changed what we were doing. I, I found it in a second-hand bookshop um, in North Liverpool and I just go this second-hand bookshop, he has good books and it was there and I just picked it up. Um, and What's interesting with the heart rate is with Phil Maffetone, this guy, uh, he is was around in the 80s, so he was dealing with the original Ironman. You know, so, you know, he's still still alive to this day. He's a very intelligent guy, very clever guy. And with the heart rate, there's plus or minuses, isn't there? So have you done any exercise in the last year? You know, you, you'll add a bit, you'll take a bit off or you'll add a bit on. But ultimately, uh, the, the further you read, you see that he's building an aerobic base 
where you stay with within oxygen usage. So with aerobic exercise, as long as you can fuel, as long as you can breathe, you can keep going. Your cells will, will use the oxygen mm. and you can keep going. And what, what he's trying to do is, is get an aerobic base that then you can build the anaerobic base onto. So you still need to do some anaerobic work. So I would run five times a week. Uh, you have to do really about 30 minutes or more within your heart rate, like you said. And then once a week, I would go to running club and I would do anaerobic. You would do, you know, interval work, sprint work yeah. or whatever it is. So you're building on top. But his point is that you can't do all of the hill work, sprint work and all of those things and go anaerobic because it needs to be based on a foundation, a solid foundation of aerobic. That's yeah, that's what, I, that, that's what I took from his book is, because when I, I did the same as you when I started my marathon training. After, I'd read Phil Mactone and I followed a training program, which was like an 80-20 thing, which was 80% math and 20% uh, uh, anaerobic. But in the, in the Mactone book itself, he says basically, you do like an off season. So he says, start in the off season when you're not racing. So he's dealing with, you know, he's dealing with athletes, isn't he? Like, as you said, like Ironman, he's, he's, he's taking the fittest guys on the planet and training them. Yeah. So they'll have an off season and in your off season, it's, there's no, there's no anaerobic work at all. It's all, it's all math based. And he just does that exclusively. And then when they start the, when they're coming up to the racing program, then, yeah, that's when they kind of fine-tune it a little bit. So let we've talked about aerobic there. Let's go on to anaerobic. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, so uh, so if you think about body types, our body types are different. Yours is more ectomorph, so yours is more runner. Mine's, mine's I'm probably a mixture of mesomorph and endomorph. So I want to, my body wants to bulk up with both fat and, and uh, muscle. So I struggle. I For the last 15 years, I'm fascinated with endurance. And I desperately want to be ectomorph, but I'm I'm not. So I, hang on, John. I haven't I haven't heard of either of those terms before. Endomorph and ectomorph. Oh, so it's the three body types. It's the three body types, isn't it, Chris? So um, the the skinny runner guy with the low heart rate, which is you, because you great runner at school, ran lipolaris and all that. Um, then uh, you've got the endomorph. So that's the that's like the small um, fat guy, if you like, that holds body fat. Uh, but it but it's broad and it's wide and you know they, they like a rest to, like a wrestler or a sprinter like a, like a strong man you know like just like a strong man just uh, um, and then you've got your mesomorph guy your mesomorph guy is like your your angular um, muscular guy uh, that keeps body fat low but like, takes muscle high like, like your heavyweight boxers type of thing yeah so like you know your proper athletes or you know, no what they call welterweights and that kind yeah, of thing. yeah so like your six foot four swimmers or, or that that body style that you know you, you when you're younger you're like oh if I lift, like, we'd watch Rocky Four, wouldn't we? And you'd watch Rocky yeah. Four, and you I lift weights. I can look like Dolph Lundgren. Well, no, you can't, because <laughs> you need DNA and everything else. But so my, I'm probably a mixture of, like, the the, the, the chubby guy, because I hold body fat, and then also the the, the muscle, the, because um, if I lift weights, I can, I can get stronger quicker, but I actually want to run, and I want to run faster, and my body just uh, rebels against that, and you're the other way around. So you're, you know, similar height to me, but leaner than me and, light, and probably two stone lighter than me. Can uh, I put weight on it? If I go, I've tried to put on. weight on with heavy weight, yeah. it doesn't work. So again, that's that's my understanding of body types. So if I go lift weight, so I remember, we fo I followed Phil Maffetone when I got that second hand book and introduced you when I was 40 and I ran a 5K 
and I did 21.53, which is the fastest 5K I'd done in a long, long time. Um, and I've been doing that from, I started in the September and I ran that 5K on New Year's Eve of that year. And that was like, I was, I was so over the moon. I'd, I'd lost so much weight and, you know, I was lean. I was also trying for another day, maybe another podcast, the keto diet. So I was doing all that and I absolutely flew. So I got bored of it, as I do. And then I decided to go and lift heavy weight. So I gave myself six months. I decided that I wanted to be 110 kilos, uh, like 17 stone. I, I don't know why. I just chose. So um, I to radically change my body from the running that I was doing into that. So I started eating 3,000 calories a day. And what the, the weightlifters call a dirty bulk, which is just eat eat 3,000 calories, fat, protein, carbs, just get it in, just get it in. Uh, and I went from really not being able to bench press 40 kilos in the garage much, but I could run the 21, 53, 5Ks. And then by the June, July time, I'm bench pressing 110, 120, um, you know, for anaerobic stuff, depending on what you want, because I wasn't looked to kind of do anything too clever, you know, rip up or rip your muscles up. I was just looking for pure strength. I was able yeah, to just... So that's, that's more strength training, isn't it? So getting yeah. in the gym and lifting weights, that's more strength. So the the anaerobic stuff I was um, I was thinking of is, is more like when you're doing cycle, uh, what you call it, the spin classes and stuff like that? Oh, the hit stuff. So, yeah, I, so moving on from the strength stuff, when I kind of got bored of that, I went back to do some um, triathlon training. And in the triathlon training, um, twice a week, the key sessions are spin class training or turbo trainer training, where you put yourself into anaerobic phase on it intermittently. So you'll warm up for 10 minutes, but then you might have 20, 30 second sessions with 90 seconds in between of going flat out as fast as you possibly can, as hard as you possibly can to get your wattage up. And I did, um, in that anaerobic training for the triathlon, I did uh, uh, a test. So I did a functional threshold test. So for all those cyclists and everything out there, they'll understand what that is. But ultimately, it's what power you can sustain for 60 minutes. But then they break it all down. So you don't have to do a 60-minute time trial or anything like that because the pain's far too much. And then they'll break it down uh, into sections and they'll monitor your gas usage. So you'll, you'll cycle on a static bike with a mask on and that will be measuring um, your, your gas usage and when you go on aerobic to anaerobic with what you're putting out, uh, like a clever little device. So for the, the, purpose amateur... of, the, the purpose of anaerobic is that to, like where, where, where the aerobic is giving us a base to kind of, so okay, we we our base fitness is up there. Now we can we can fine tune that a little bit. Now we can really okay. work on the anaerobic yeah. stuff, and it's going to give us power and strength and yeah. speed. So you're stretching your lungs, you're stretching everything to its max capacity, yeah. and that allows you to get better. Yeah, the way I I kind of describe it is the aerobic allows me, as I say, if I fuel and I can breathe, I can go and I can put my heart rate to 135, 140, whatever it is I'm doing. And I know I can do that for a couple of hours. So whether that's walking up a mountain, whether that's doing a half marathon, if my heart rate's there, as long as I fuel, I know I'm all right. But when it comes to the power stuff, when you introduce hills in a marathon or when you introduce a steep mountain or when you introduce, uh, you're on your bike and you're going up a climb. 
so what the what the anaerobic stuff does it gives you for me it gives you the power in your legs the power in your lungs to keep going at a better pace so you really really notice in your running when you're going up a hill when you've been doing the anaerobic workouts on the table trainer because you can keep a similar pace you, you feel it a little bit more your heart rate might raise a little bit more but you've actually got the power in your legs but it's based upon your aerobic you need to be able to run to the hill before you get over the hill and you need to be able to run after the hill that's the way the best way i can describe those two training methods is we don't when you when you get over the sorry because when you get over the hill you can you, you can like you can't just like you you use your anaerobic to get up the hill your anaerobic training and then when you get over the hill, you kind of your, your aerobic yeah, base kicks in again. Allows yeah. you because you got to you have to recover, don't you? you can't sustain yeah. anaerobic indefinitely because there's a fuel, there's an oxygen kind of depletion or something, isn't there? Oxygen in your blood is depleted, so yeah, you've got to let that recover. Again. Yeah, anaerobic is that the cells in your body aren't using oxygen. That, that that's kind of the point. And then when you go anaerobic, one of the one of the byproducts is lactate, isn't it? So your lactate builds up. So the, the likes of um, the best athletes in the world, what they often find is, is that they have a really, really good body for processing lactate. So that's why they can cycle up a mountain brilliantly. Or, you oh, know, keep, do you mean a natural? A natural, a natural uh, yeah. Or, yeah. Or keep punching. You know, the guy can keep punching at a middleweight because he's got a brilliant way of um, processing the lactate. You can do lactate threshold training. You can help your body learn. Um, but ultimately... I, I know one, I know he's a cheat and all that, but I remember reading about Lance Armstrong, some of the figures that he supposedly put out. Um, he was brilliant at, um, you, uh, his body was brilliant at using and, and getting rid of the lactate. Um, again, probably a bad example in this day and age, but I just, that one's the blood helped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, all right, let's, let's, let's keep moving through this. Um, so we're talking about the different types we've had, aerobic, anaerobic, um, third type is is the strength training which you mentioned there and you've yeah, so mentioned uh, strength depends on your body type i've trained with lads who've got body shape like yours and they desperately want to bench press 100 kilos and can't get near it and then uh, you know it's like smashing but you know what mate you could probably run a sub 25k if you wanted to it's just that mm -hmm. i want to run a sub 25k they want to lift 100 kilos it, it, it's what it's what you want um yeah that that's that's what i find and then what always makes me laugh is when you train with people and they want to lose a bit of weight. They say, do you want to lift some weights with me? And they'll say, oh, no, I don't want to be muscly. It's like, do you know how hard it is to gain muscle? Yeah. Do you know how difficult it is? I remember <laughs> you said that to me, John. You said exactly the same to me. I was like, oh, I've heard about protein. And, and this is like, you know, 10 years ago. And I was like, I've heard about taking protein before and after the gym. But I'm scared about getting too muscly, and you just said exactly the same. Then, like, no, nah, you're kidding yourself if you think you're going to get massive. <laughs> and I didn't. I didn't get big at all. Like, I didn't get one extra muscle from going to the gym for ten years. I really didn't. No, it's, it's not. It's not your body type, and then you've got to think about the exercise. Obviously, everyone can build muscle. Everyone can lose weight. You can do. There was a study years ago. Um, was it a diet to follow like DNA diets? But there was a study done years ago that essentially said, whatever you do in your active life as an adult, um, your DNA takes over in the end. So your yeah. DNA will create you a skinny old guy. Fight my DNA. Yeah, mine will be a, a fattish, muscly guy. You know, that's that that's kind of what what whether that's true or not. But then you read other people in this day and age with all, you know, you have a lot of 
mental things in in this day and age and you know you can be who you want to be but we'll see as we get older what we turn into well i I found john during this so i mean i gave up i gave up the gym years ago to concentrate just on running I, i wasn't too fussed about lifting weights and um but just um during this lockdown phase we were going the park every day so every day we'd go to the park for a walk um, I wasn't running because I'd injured my leg, but um, I was doing the, the the calisthenics, you know, just like a seven minute or ten minute workout where you do thirty seconds of a of a body um, just use just body weight exercise, so just squats, stuff, yeah. lunges, press ups, sit ups, you know, different different, you know, you could probably got you know seven or eight different things that you can probably do for thirty seconds, ten second rest, move on to the next one, and. I reckon after about three weeks of doing that, like I could see like changing my body shape just from that versus going to the gym for months where I was just lifting weights, say on your biceps or, you know, on your shoulders or whatever. So just from doing press ups, sit ups, and um and and squats, I think you know you can really affect your your physique and lose weight and and kind of tone up a lot a lot quicker than spending months in the gym. I think. It depends what you want, doesn't it? I mean, I've watched it go full circle from, you know, being in the Navy early 90s, mid 90s, and then all you're doing is climbing ropes and press ups and all that, and, and you have that functional fitness. Well, that's right. They still do calisthenics just in the, in the um, how many how many press ups would they make you do a day? So, well, I think the fitness test back then, if I remember, I've got 40 in my head, a minimum of 40, but we always used to. We were in basic training for 14 weeks and we, um, if someone could do 100, that was like, you know, that was the benchmark. I remember there was an Irish guy, he was the first one. He could, he just banged out 100 and that was our aim to do 100. Yeah, so, but again, then I was probably about 12 and a half stone, something like that. And we were doing these weights and you were burning three and a half thousand calories and only able to put 4,000, only able to put two and a half thousand in. So I got to it in the end. We, we did them a couple of times, 100 sit-ups, 100 press-ups. That was like the little... Um, the little, you know, ego challenge that we had in, in the class. But I think you've seen it now. Remember the last few years, Chris, boot camps, that kind of spread as a phase, you know, ex-Royal Marine or para-PTIs going into parks. It even happens here, you know, the the dog parks or whatever, and people will go and pay them and then they'll go and train in the park. And they're basically doing what we did in, in the 90s and what they did in the 80s. Um, I did the gym, I've done the gym, and you go and lift and you go and try and get, you know, the body of, of you know, of Ivan Drago um, or Hogan or um, whatever. Yeah, yeah, but you know now he's older, you know, it's it, it, it's it, it's not natural, is it? It's, A, you've got to have the DNA. If you haven't got the DNA, you're not going to get there. So um, I know guys who, who do train to look good and want to compete in amateur competitions and they've got little calves. So there's nothing he can do. He's got little calves. His body, his DNA will not put muscle on his calves, whatever he does, to the size that he wants. Of course, it will happen to a certain extent. Um, you know, is, he won't have the muscular development of his pectorals. You know, so that's that's what it is. So he, he has to work around that. That's what it yeah. is. And those guys who compete, they've got the DNA to get an overall body shape. But again, they're not all perfectly the same, are they? They want symmetry these days, I think, from what my mates were telling me. But the likes of Arnie and them, um, you know, it is steroids. It, it is all of that. You know, in this day and age, you've got growth hormone. It is, um, you know, you can 
buy all that stuff online. I've, I've trained with lads who just go, yeah, John, we're going to have, um, after Christmas, we're going to get on it, mate. Do you want some? And you're like, no, I'm all right, thanks. But it's just that natural that you can just pick it up online now and you can get it. Yeah. Uh, it's so quite scary, though. It's quite, it's quite scary. And we will do another show on kind of... We will do another show on kind of diet stuff and um, and supplements because that's a whole another it's a whole another world, isn't it? And it people 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 who get famous now on the internet or get themselves famous purposely so that they can then sell a product on online, which is which is not really tested. So there's lots of products online now that say, oh, the, you know, this new super wonder drug, but not wonder drug, but wonder say, you know, superfood, you know, it's got you know, X amount of superfood in it. And then people do tests like, you know, scientific tests on it. And it doesn't include it at all. Food. It's not even, yeah, it's just, they've just picked isn't up some shit from China. It, it, isn't that the point of, of this podcast for us though? Isn't that the driving force of this? Is that I've, I could tell you every diet. I tell you what I'm doing now and I haven't told you. I paid for, have you got in Australia, Noom, N-O-O-M? Never heard of you ever. Oh, so basically... It's an American trendy Weight Watchers thing. So I've got it on my phone. I've had it for seven days. I paid for it. So basically, at the moment, I'm hovering what around. Did you pay, what did you pay for it? So, so I paid 14 quid for it. And you have to pay a monthly subscription. can't remember. It's like 20 quid. But I'm not. The gym isn't open. Oh. So I have my gym membership at the moment. So I was like, no, okay. I'm, I'm running a lot. I'm on to about... 35 runs in during the restrictions. I'm cycling to work three, four times a week, which is a 20k round trip or, you know, 12 mile round trip. And I'm still hovering around the 15 stone 10, about 28% body fat because I've come out of a martial arts phase, if you like, last year. So I was like, okay, I need to, you know, kickstart it. So it was on the telly. I just saw the advert. I'm like, you know what? I'll, I'll, I have done all of these things. I'll give it a whirl. So that's the latest one that I'm trying. And I think back to my point, the point of our podcast is being there, done that. Being there, done that. Tried everything um, except the naughty, audible stuff, which I don't see the point in, um, which obviously does work because I've, I've trained with lads who've used it. Uh, but it's all for me, it's all temporary. And then if you go into the, the supplements and the diets, um, I don't want to spoil our podcast when we talk about it, but you'll just come back to unfortunately the boring stuff nothing comes free you've got to have a balance you've got to have health you've got to have good food in you've got to have good fuel in and you've got to have a, a good um like kind of subjective exercise plan for whatever it is you yeah. want to do specificity is something we'll talk about um yeah. but yeah i don't want to spoil that podcast but that's what it's going to come to yeah it's simple it's, it comes down to simple stuff in there there's a lot of complexity people selling complexity so you go oh that solves this problem here you go anyway yeah let's let's keep moving um the final uh, exercise of these four short things we were going to go through is um just stretching and balance balance exercises isometrics or basically what it, what it boils down to is um is in you know maintaining and increasing your flexibility in your muscles and your tendons a lot of athletes these days, so like, you know, the elite footballers and sports people in all, you know, different, you know, cycling and whatnot, they're doing yoga and Pilates and things like that, stretching um, as part of their program. And that and that's something that's really new because obviously yoga's 
been around as a kind of trendy thing for the mind since the 60s and, and whatnot. And it's become more and more popular over the last few years with the rise of, you know, social media. Um, but it really is a, uh, a form of exercise as we get older that we should be doing. I'm interested to know, John, is it something that you're thinking of adding to your exercise regime or is it something you've already added? Yeah, I, I hate it. I, I, I'm, I'm not good at it. I can't do it. But I, every time I do it, I get benefit from it on on that day, which is which sounds really daft. But I'll, of a morning when I get up with the dogs, um, and I go to the kitchen and put the kettle on, I'll, I'll stretch. I've got like a stool in the kitchen, and I'll, I'll stretch my left side on that because I have problems on my left side. Um, I've spent hundreds of pounds on physio. I've had um, acupuncture. Uh, I've had dry dry needling, as they call it here. Uh, I've had cup therapy. Um, I've had one of them saying, if the pain doesn't go, I'll have to recommend you might have something on your hip joint. Um, but ultimately, if I stretch, particularly my left side, and I do, um, I've just downloaded, funnily enough, like a beginner's yoga um, package on the telly. Um, and I was, oh, I was playing about with that. It's just because it really, really hurts me. Um, the martial arts, because I haven't done that for a year or two now, um, my stretching's completely gone. To, to put it this way, about a year ago, or no, 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 less than that, about six months ago, I really, really done me back where I couldn't get out of bed or nothing. And it was purely muscular. Whatever I'd done, um, I just built up this massively tense back where I had to hobble to the physio to do it. And I could, you know, couldn't even bend over. I had to go onto my face and slide off the bed. It was just it was embarrassing. It was like an old man. And when I went to physio and I was talking to her, she was just telling me some of the, the basic stretches that you got to do. Uh, so I started doing them and I couldn't touch my toes by about five inches when you could always kind of touch your toes. And it took me about a month to be able to just to touch my toes again and to stretch the back. The, phys- the physio was like blown away by how messed up my back was. And at that time, I was doing a lot of um, weights and just running in the gym, lifting some heavy weights and running to work and, you know, things like that. So it just showed you probably is an age thing. Com- you were probably compressing your spine in some way by, you know, running with the heavy weights and stuff like that. In, yeah. Just started running as well. So I was over 16 stone and then I was running as well as coming out of the weights phase and then coming into uh, into the running phase. And the, the physio who actually treated me happened to be a, an age group, a triathlete. So, she, you know, she knew a bit and she was just saying, choose one, choose one and stretch. So I do try and stretch every morning. Some days I forget. Some days I think I subconsciously forget because it hurts. Um, but I think if yeah. I don't, I get pains in my left side if I don't do it. I know that much. Yeah, it definitely. Yeah, I've started to do it more as well. I've just got like a not even a stretchy band. It's just like I don't know. It's just like a, almost like a dog lead. It's just very canvas, and I just stretch me back, stretch yeah. my sides, and I also kind of like. Uh, I, th- I think they do this in Pilates, but just putting it on my legs. Because I, if I lie on my back and try and put my legs straight up, I can't do it. I'm kind of like 45 degrees on my own. That's as far up as I can get them. So I use the rope to pull them up to, to well, close to 90, and then hold it there. And then slowly it gives me that extra bit of flexibility that I can get there on my own. We're back. Um, okay, so this is our book recommendation slot, which we think will help you, the listener, kind of 
um, read up on the stuff that we've that we've briefly touched on during our chat. Um, so the first book I'm going to recommend. So for people, when I was getting into running and, and getting into um, training and things like that, John told me about Phil Maffetone and I got his book called The Big Book of Endurance Training and Racing. And and so if you read about Phil Maffetone, you'll read how he came to write that big book over the period of, of his um, of, of his the start of his career. But yeah, that's it's it's all about the mechanics of running and training, and and obviously training to the heart rate. It's a fantastic read. You don't have to read it all in one go. You just pick up bits um, that are helpful for you. Um, but in terms of inspiration, the best book that I read, and again, John, I don't know if you recommended this to me or not, but Born to Run by Christopher McDougall. It's a pretty huge book now in in the states. Um, it's basically about uh, an a native Indian tribe called the Tarumahara um, and how they are basically uh, really amazing extreme long distance runners and it's part of the um, society that they run. And McDougal goes in search of them and he, and he uh, takes along with him Scott Jurek who's a really famous uh, ultra runner at the time and a few other characters and there's a, there's a race basically set up against Tarumahara uh, Indians and Scott Jarek and his and his pals. Um, it's a really really entertaining book, but also very inspiring and to get you into running. It's also about barefoot running um, and a few other things as well. It, it also talks about um, Dr. Lieberman, who's a um, who's a professor from Harvard. He talks about his theory of the uh, persistence hunter, which is basically cavemen. They didn't exercise, but they used to go on these hunts where they would track down animals. So animals that were much faster, sprinters, could be caught over longer periods of time, longer periods of time. So it goes back to the anaerobic aerobic that we touched on. Animals would run anaerobically away from from the humans, and that would get them away. But if the humans kept running aerobically, like John was saying earlier, they could just run for hours and hours as long as they were fueled, as long as they they didn't go into the anaerobic zone. They could keep running and keep running, whereas the animals didn't have this knowledge. They would just, they would run as fast as they could. And basically, once they were spent, they'd have to stop. Um, and the humans would catch them up and catch their prey. Yeah, so it's persistence hunting, they call it. So so there's a couple of physiological differences for the human beings. Two, one of them, the main one they say, uh, as McDougall says, is a Liebman is sweating. So the fact we can, we can breathe and sweat and get heat out of us whereas an animal like a deer or whatever it was that we were hunting back back in those times they have to stop and pant to get the heat out so mm. that's one and then the second one was to do with holding the head a bone in the brain or a bone on the neck or something if i remember right out the book where oh, you can hold right, yeah. you can you can hold up straight and you can keep your legs underneath you and it's the tarumara they're a they're a mexican tribe in the copper canyons um and he'd um he took a crew out there and there's a there's an american guy he's dead now uh called they called him cabala blanco the, the white horse uh he was one of the first guys he mentions in the book who does the um the barefoot running and it kicked off a massive barefoot running scene didn't it to to the point where they said yeah, that's uh, right. you know trainers are gonna training companies are gonna take a hit and then good old nike got involved and they created nike zero so he found a way to put something around your foot that they could sell you for even more money yeah, because he talks about Nike, doesn't he? He talks about how 
yeah. he started to get these injuries since the 70s, since Nike came to power, if you like, and created a company and put, you know, something cushioned under your feet. And he kind of pinpoints that moment um, for when we, we moved away from how we use our feet. So I bought minimalist trainers when I read it and I tried it. Although typical me, instead of warming up into it, I just went and ran eight miles and then ended up hurting my feet. But I actually seen a flat foot grow an arch. So one of the, the key things that they say with the barefoot running is you've got, I can't remember, so many bones in your foot. It's there to act like a, a shock absorber spring. Um, and then if you've got an arch in it, you've got more chance of utilising what the foot was designed for rather than just the foot being used to being cushioned, doesn't need that arch, doesn't need to use the bones and the tendons, and you just flat foot run. And I've I've experienced that. I've experienced gaining an arch on my foot because I, I ended up using the trainers properly um, and over a couple of years would run with them with just like it's just a piece of foam. So what they talk about now is less than five millimetre between like heel and toe is what's considered to be like a flat trainer. But again, the clever marketing people have turned that into an industry now and you'll pay probably more for less material these days to get a pair of them. But it all comes back mainly the popularity of it to Chris McDougall and his book, An American Guy. Yeah. It's interesting. Get him on YouTube. He just talks about it and everything. Yeah. Go, go look him up. It's fant- it, it is fantastic. Um, and well described there, John. Um, the other book I was going to recommend was uh, by Scott Jurek or Jurek. Who's, um, who's an ultra runner and he's also a vegan as well. And his book, Eat and Run, is also inspiring and worth a read. So he, he combines his, how we got into running alongside how we got into vegetarian um, or vegan food as well. And there's also, he also includes recipes in his book as well. So it comes back to this holistic view of, you know, you've got to eat well, you know, and you've got to train well in order to to run or, or whatever it, whatever exercise or sport you, you're going to go down there's another one Jorek did where he, he runs the appalachian trail that that famous mountain trail that runs again i can't remember the states it runs through but it goes from north to south in america and, and Jorek is that in a book yeah yeah that's that. in Jorek's book yeah he's good he's an interesting guy you know not your typical runner and um, he basically uh, he did the bad water and you know all of those crazy um, ultra marathons. He was he was winning all the time. Um, and he, he in the book uh, Born to Run, he describes how he does this like crazy howl at the start of each of the runs. Uh, yeah, that's right. When you speak, when you see him speaking, he's just like a dead cool, dead calm guy. But he does some crazy howl at the start of the run. But he's an interesting dude. He's he's probably about our age now, if not just a little bit younger. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Cool. Okay, John. So we're just going to do a little section here on what exercises we've done this week. So what have you been doing this week? So, uh, as we record this, it's Sunday. Um, so I've been cycling to work. The sun's been out. It's been brilliant. The roads are a little quieter, uh, because the, I'm, I'm working and obviously a lot of people still are not working. So work is uh, 10Ks or six, just on over six miles away. I can do that, uh, let's say 70% on cycle path if I choose a certain route. It's about a K and a half longer, but that's the way I choose to stay out the way of the traffic or what little traffic is there. So I've been cycling on my road bike, just in normal gear uh, with a rucksack on uh, to work and back to work, back from work. So that creates around 20Ks. 
Uh, I do it three, uh, this week I did it four days. I needed my car on one of the days for something I was running around. And then um, what I've tried to do this week is do three runs. And up to now I've done two runs. I've really struggled on my runs and I don't know why. Um, I was going great. I'm, so I'm a eight minute miler. Uh, my runs are generally between five and six Ks. And I'll generally try and put in a couple of little hills, you know, a little couple of flyovers, nothing crazy. We don't have any mountains or big hills around where we live in North Liverpool. It's just, you know, the flyover by the Tesco or whatever it is. So I've been trying to do that, but I've really struggled. I've got the Liverpool Marathon, the Rock and Roll Marathon, which has been moved back to October. Uh, and I want a nine minute mile. So, OK, so I'll go out and have a jog back to Maffetone. I'll keep my heart rate low. I'll wear me watch and I'll um, I'll do nine minute miling. It, oh, Chris, it's just been laborsome. I don't know why, but I will add this week, as I mentioned earlier, I've been using this Noom app, and in the Noom app, I'm essentially calorie controlling. So if my body probably needs twenty one hundred to two and a half thousand calories, I'm controlling to under two thousand calories, and I'm putting everything I eat into my app. Now, it's not massively different. However, I'm kind of thinking, oh, and the stuff I am putting in, they, they put them into green, amber, red categories. So I'm trying to do a lot of the green foods, you know, the good foods. And the way Noom says it is that you're going to take food on board that is high in water content, which is not something I'd heard before. So high in content being fruit and vegetable. I thought that was an interesting take on it. So the more water content you've got, the more your stomach will be full. However, they're calorific, not as dense as, let's say, peanut butter or other stuff like that, that I would eat as fuel. So that's, that was an interesting little little take that I'd never seen that before. So I'm blaming that for my laboursome runs. Also, it's a bit warm, which I'm not very good at. But I've yeah. done just two five and a half K runs this week, nine minute mile or just under 8.50, Um, Again, talking pace usually for me. When I wasn't um, cycling into work in the sun um, and I was driving in, I was doing the nine minute mile and, and just extending my run for fun and just going 6K, 7K, 8K because I'm listening to a good podcast and I'm just, I'm just like, yeah, this is good, this is good. So I don't know what I've done different other than calorie control, and I'm um, I'm not hanging about on my bike. I'm not I'm not trying to be, um, you know, Bradley Wiggins. There's people on the path, um, but I am I am trying to use a higher gear, you know, to create a bit of tension, a bit of anaro. That's what I'm trying to do. Um, so today, Sunday, it's lovely. I'll probably have a little wander on the bike on my own, but I've, I've definitely got a five and a half, six k little nine minute jog to do later, and let's see how I get on. So that's yeah. what I've been up to. What, what have you been doing? Anything? Um, I'm with your again this week. Sorry, with oh, your no, restrictions. Are you allowed? Yeah, we were we were always allowed to go out for exercise for an hour, and it was supposed to be close to your home. I think yeah, like within a couple a couple of k's. You know, they they were making the rules up as they went, weren't they? Uh, you know, and, and you know, so, you know, like Boris Johnson, stay safe. <laughs> you know, I was like, you can exercise for an. I stay late, not even stay safe, stay late. Like, how ridiculous is that? But, um, yeah, we went, you know, so we, as I said, we live about two kilometres from Sydney's best park, Centennial Park. Uh, and um, I did a recording there, actually, when I went and did me, 
I might stick a bit of the audio in at the end of this podcast because I did a little recording just after I'd finished my run. Um, but anyway, I'll, I was going there every day, as I said, with Georgie. But I got, all right, I'll, I'll give a bit of history about what I've been doing. So after the marathon, uh, I tried to what get into like a marathon? 5K. Oh, I was last year, but it, it's, it's gone October? so quick. Octo- uh, September. So I had a bit of a break and then I was just jogging and then I was like, okay, I want to do a fast 5k. Like you were saying, like, I'm going to do a fast 5k. I've got this whole base, but I really, I was going okay for a while. And then I did a few like, you know, sub 25 5k's that, which was, which was quick for me as as part of my training. But then I just, I obviously wasn't warming up properly because, um, I, I, my, I got an injury in my hip hip flexor which i'd had previously and i keep getting this mcl pain in my knee which they call runner's knee um and so that kept happening to me so that was january february i was on and off injured on and off injured and then in april to may i just stopped running just to get rid of it so it would go away so i've just started running again this week and i've done about four runs my running to math heart rate which meant i was doing seven minute kilometers because I was sticking to my 135 and I was going, I was shooting up above 135 all the time. So I just had to keep walking and going slow, going slow. That's probably 10, 11 minute mile. And you're talking about eight, nine minute mile. And I'm doing 10, 11 minute mile to try and get my fitness back. Um, Cause I'm really trying to stick to the math. But um, I did one today and I was probably about six, 10, six, 15. I did a few, few kilometers at that pace. And then I had to slow down again. So I'm about a week in, I'm getting fitter. It's a good point with the math stuff. So the one thing the book mentions and the one thing you struggle on is um, it becomes boring. So if you're from our, you're at a similar age to us and you're from our world and you've trained the way we've been told how to train, then uh, you push hard and you push fast and you go and you do what you can. Hard, yeah. yeah, you're not, you're not spent. Um, if you're not spent, you've not trained. Whereas math, you literally can talk all the way around four runs a week. And then you come to the end of it and you go, oh, okay. And after a while, you're like, well, I feel like I want to push now. And that's the thing. If you're not disciplined with math, don't worry. Don't bother. Don't do it. Um, but as I said earlier, when I got, I think you do two, I did two weeks with no anaerobic. And then when I got to third, fourth week, I put one 60-minute anaerobic session in in the week. But you, uh, it was it was around the track with the local running club. So just one anaerobic session. But all of those other runs, they have to be within that heart rate to the point where I was running with holding my watch up, um, you know, to, to run with. And I'm staring at my wrist as I'm running, which sounds stupid. Um, but yeah, the math stuff, if you do it, and I, you have to commit to say, I committed to, I did September, October, November, started seeing the benefits in December and I held to it religiously. And that's um, yeah. that's my fatone, I think. But you've got, for a bit of history of us, you were two years older than me in school and you were the footballer and the runner and running at, you know, running at city level. Um, and then me, me come in, like, again, is another Owens and a taller guy, or you'll be like Chris, another runner. And, you know, back, back in those days, I remember being shouted at, you had left the junior school and I was in fourth year juniors and the head teacher shouted at me in the 1500 metres, I should be at the front like your brother 
because I'm just the same height as you, but <laughs> as much as I tried, I couldn't get to the front of, and you think, well, I'm just not a good runner. But as you get older now and you realise the physiology of everything, I didn't have yeah. your, you've still got a lower rest and heart rate than me, even though I do more, you've still got it. And you you have got that, um, that ectomorphic shape and that, you know, that ability to run. It, it surprises me. It, it surprises me, like me when I'm doing the math running. I've got a I've got an average resting heart rate of like 44, 40. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. it's like down to 40, which is yeah. ridiculously low. And you like super athletes have got it that low. And I'm like, well, I'm not a super athlete. I know I'm I'm not kidding myself. But then when I try and when I go for a run, my heart rate will shoot up to like 145, 150, 155. And I'm only running, you know, seven minute kilometer pace. That, that's training. <laughs> it's like why? It's yeah, changing, so I'm, 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 I'm clearly not that. fit. I'm just lucky. I've got, I'm just lucky. I've got a low heart rate, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not as fit as as those other people with low heart rates. No, it's you, you've got the good base. So I remember a program years ago with Chris Boardman when he was still riding, and they put him on a like a turbo trainer, and they measured his heart rate. And they were talking about physiology. They measured his heart rate. Boardman, you know, famous time trialist from over yep. not too far from where I live. And yeah, lovely place. And he had a crazy low resting heart rate. He goes on the turbo trainer, absolutely nails it. His heart rate goes to like 170, 180. And what they wanted to make the point about his fitness, two minutes later, he's back down to 30, 40. So the point being is, he's got an amazing base. He's got loads of room for manoeuvre. So you should be able to do, with your physiology, a be- an eight-minute mile at a better heart rate than me. Therefore, stay aer- aerobic. Therefore, keep going. Whereas I might tickle into anaerobic and get to 12K and go, oh, I've got to slow down. That's the point of it. But if you flip that on the other side, if it comes to me and you doing the things I've done, wrestling on a mat or trying to do some explosive weight training or trying to box or trying to do jujitsu, then after a while you go, all right, well, you, you've got no strength for this. So you'll mentally tire or physically tire. Oh, yeah. Or cardio, yeah. you know, the, the jujitsu lads used to say cardio tap out. It was the, the lowest of the low. If you cardio tap out, you know, you're you goosed and you're knackered. You, you, you tap out and say, you know, I've run out of energy. It's like a real no-no. But that's the different physiologies. I am that guy who can roll around the mat, but I want to be you. That's the point. That You know what I mean? They're the different body types that I mentioned earlier. But yeah, you're running sure. and you're using your body shape and your body type for the right type of thing. So your marathon, you did brilliantly. Your pacing was perfect and, and you didn't blow, did you? No, that's right. I was going to say that. Like my heart rate stayed, like it probably went up to 150, 155 towards the end. But it, it was it's just not for most of it. I was I was about 145, 50. And and when I finished, I thought oh, I probably should have run a bit quicker. But um, you mentioned your running this week and the heat. Honestly, John, like I mean, living in Sydney, it obviously gets hot <laughs> during the summer here, and it and it it slows you down so much. Like I. Like I noticed it, um, like when it went into the cooler months, I was doing much, much quicker runs at the same heart rate that in the summer, I was, I was like after a kilometer, my heart rate would just blow out in the heat. So that's probably what's happened to you as well. But I agree, like, you know, if you haven't got the fuel. Yeah, well, sorry, yeah, forget our references of heat are just chalk and cheese, Anthony. So my reference of heat is like low 20s. Do you remember, I remember you ringing me going to work, was it when you lived in Melbourne and it was low 40s? And you just, yeah. there's two differences. Well, we, had, 
we had 18 degrees today and, and I was like, God, this is so nice to run in this cool oh. autumn weather. <laughs> so we've got 20 it's relative, and I'm thinking, it's relative, isn't it? But we've got 20, low 20s here and I'm thinking, oh, I'll wait till nine o'clock. It'll be a bit cooler for me. Typical Northern European. <laughs> but I think on, on that side, I'm going to play with my nutrition this week. And I normally think, or I've learned actually, that I'm a good three hours between eating some good fuel, so good healthy carbs like veg, and then feeling it in my legs. So I'm gonna have a little play with that for this next week. So eating at 6 p.m. and running at 9 p.m. That's what probably will be the best time for me. The dogs have been walked, the dogs have been fed, they're sitting down in bed, I've done all my bits, I'm ready for the next day, and I'm gonna go for me run then. And that's what I'm gonna try and see how that feels next uh, uh, podcast episode we'll talk about diet nutrition supplements whatever yeah let's talk about as well we've missed it from this week on on motivations what are what are the general motivations why are we doing this why why are we sat here talking about it why have we why have we done this for you know 20 years why, why have i tried every diet or you know let's dig into that a little bit let you know go underneath the skin of it a little bit next week talk about why we're doing this why why are we trying to share our experiences i think that might be a little bit interesting to explore as well so we're now at the end of um, episode one of the podcast um we hope you found it informative uh, but we would like to say we are two blokes um, Chris works for a mobile telephone company and I'm an engineer. We are not medical professionals, we are not trained coaches, we have just spent a lot of money with those people and we're trying to put it across to you guys and girls in a way that is, is usable information. If we've um, stumbled across the wrong fact or we've said something incorrectly in our talk, please let us know in the show notes and we'll happily correct ourselves next week. Mm-hmm.